Hello, this is Rachel McElroy. Hey, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. Yes. <laughs> Bring it on in for the big hug, big guy. Come on in. Let's get a good squeeze going. Mm. Thanks, big guy. What about the little guy? I was talking to one specific big listener of ours. Oh, okay. Isn't well, it? hey, I've got a hug for the little guy. Come here, little guy. The little squeeze. Uh, if there's a, a Davis out there, it says I got a hug for you. So bring that. Ooh, let me get two slaps. That's on the back. That feels good. And that's how you know it's legit. And uh, is that everyone? Let me look at the list. I mean, there's all of women, too. All the women. Yeah. I mean, for sure, for sure, for sure. Uh, so come on, get, get on in here. Two, two on the back. All right. We're good to go. I think we got them all. Uh, all right. Oh, gender nonconforming friends. Come on in. Bring it on in. And. You get three on the back. Uh, <laughs> so this is wonderful. It's a podcast where um, we hug, I guess. We're a hugging family now. Well, you know, we kind of hug in a way, if you think about it. I don't know, man. I still... Um, we talk about things that we like. Oh, I thought you meant in real life, do we hug? I was uh, going to say, we're not hu- we're not huge on it. I feel, I feel like we're pretty big on it. I like, I enjoy a hug, but when I, I see a group- I hug you multiple times a day, every day. You just hug me, yes, like seconds before we started uh-huh. recording. But like what, when we, when we see it? our friends, I never know what the protocol is. Do you oh. want to, do you need a hug right We've now? We've talked about this, sweetheart. We sure have. So, I'm not a big hugger. Yeah, that's probably true. But uh, hopefully this podcast brings you the same comfort as a hug might do. Hey, do you have any small wonders? I do. Well, what is it? I've been sending you and I know you haven't had time. I just watched one of them. Um, John Mulaney was on Saturday Night Live and I'm a big fan of John Mulaney's comedy and him on Saturday Night Live is always a treat because he used to work there and there are some really great sketches. Did you watch the one of What's Your Name? (laughs) Yeah, that is the one I watched. What's Your Name? It's extremely good. Yeah, he's, God, he's so good. His stand-up special, uh, the kid whatever. Kid Gorgeous. Yeah, it is uh, probably the best stand-up special I've seen in the last And the Comeback Kid too is another one. Um, Yeah, he's fantastic. Uh, I'm going to say Peacoat specifically my peacoat i had to buy a peacoat when i was in new orleans because uh, it was much colder than i thought it was going to be and i i was like well this is a waste of money but then it's like 30 degrees today and it is so nice to just have a big old fashionable coat keeping me warm i yeah. sure do appreciate it. i've always enjoyed a peacoat i've never had one that fit me as well as this one does so i'm very excited about peacoats i think i go first this week i think so yeah my first thing this week is an elephant my first thing is elephant. <laughs> My first thing is the elephant, the humble elephant. I feel like I haven't done an animal in a while. Yeah, I love the elephant. I love the elephant. Elephants are big friends, and I think they do a great job at, at fulfilling that role. And I feel like also I slept on elephants for a long time because like they're big, uh, they're they're big safari friend, and I would just I... see that and I felt so detached. But now I love elephants. I'm so glad because I've always wanted to know more about the elephant, and so I'm so glad you chose the elephant. Yeah, I think specifically um, raising raising a two year old, like now we're seeing elephants through a child's eyes. And boy, they're just good animals, folks. Elephants are. Um, when we talk about love and elephants, really, what are we talking about? Two main factors: size and trunk. So let's just let's just yeah, get exactly, our hands exactly. dirty. Although I would argue the ears are pretty great. The ears are fantastic. But mostly I want to talk about size and I want to talk about <laughs> trunk because folks, these boys are absolute units. They're the biggest land mammals that exist, uh, which is just 
uh, you know, laudable. I feel like they've done a good job with that. Looking at a big elephant just like walking around, lumbering around, uh, especially when you get like a sense of scale, that looks like like a like an at at from Star Wars, the big robots yeah. that walk around. And that's good, and they got that little tail, that disproportionately little tail that swings in like yeah. an offbeat tempo, and they do have those big funnel cake ears that just wave when they need to wave, and I love all that. Um, there are two main categories of elephant. African elephants are the bigger category. They can grow up to 13 feet high and they can weigh up to 14,000 pounds. Asian elephants reach nearly 10 feet and uh, can grow up to 11,000 pounds. So a littler guy, but I mean, 11,000 pounds, that's a lot of just pure yeah. elephant energy. I don't know if I would notice you know, like if one oh, sat on you, you wouldn't be like, that oh. one looks 200 pounds heavier yeah. at that point. You know, you're kind of dealing in just, uh, abstractness. Yeah. The way that they get that big is because they eat, uh, up to 300 pounds of food every day. Ooh. That's a good amount. That's, <laughs> I would say that's a yeah. full meal. The, uh, the babies, babies, when babies are born, the babies are absolute units. First of all, they take 22 months to cook up and get out the oh, get out the man. oven. Yeah, that's going to be a rough a rough load because uh, they, when they're born, they can weigh 200 pounds. So, <laughs> how's your day, Mama Elephant? Probably not very good. I bet. Oh, that's funny. Baby elephant. It's called a calf, and for every day up to its first birthday, it's going to be gaining two to three pounds every single day. Wow. Absolute monster. I love it. Yeah. These absolute monster trucks. The size is fantastic. The size of these animals is very good. Um, the trunk, though. <sighs> What's it even doing with that thing? Uh, do you know why elephants have trunks? Oh, God, that sounds like the start of a joke. Because if they didn't, where would you put your suitcase? No. Not everything's a joke. Do you know why elephants have trunks? No. It's because they don't have glove compartments. Oh, You great. didn't even, you, I can't believe you chomped my flavor like that. <laughs> These trunks, they do everything. They are mostly uh, uh, used for like sustenance reasons, grabbing reasons. Yeah. Um, the How, tr- I mean, they're, obviously their feet aren't great at grabbing. Their feet can't grab very good. And they get, the mouth is unfortunately kind of tucked behind the trunk. I didn't actually realize that the trunk is actually fused with their top lip. Like that is, it's all oh. sort of part of the same kind of uh, mechanism and it grabs the food and it brings it back to, you know, mouth town. Uh, and that way the mouth can keep chewing and keep eating while the trunk is grabbing more food. So it's just mm-hmm. this nonstop, it's like, what's it called? Recursive breathing. Like it's just nonstop, like food assembly line. Um, at the end of the snout, they have fingers, uh, which I use in quotation marks because it's not fingers in the traditional sense. And these fingers can actually move super precisely. The whole thing about like elephants eating peanuts, they can grab and like shuck a peanut with their trunk finger and then get Whoa. the sweet nut meat in, right into their mouth. Uh, one way you can tell the difference between Asian elephants and African elephants is that Asian elephants just have one finger on the end of their trunk and African elephants have uh, two. But uh, yeah, they, they can do really dexterous stuff with these little, little nubbins at the, end of their, at the end of their trunks, and I love it. Uh, obviously, they can also use it to get water. They don't drink the water straight through their trunks because that would be wild, but um, they just you know suck it up and then blast it right in their mouth. Each snortful... They can get up to 14 liters of water into their mouth at one time, <laughs> uh, which is very good. So like that stuff I, I could have assumed is is true. We've all seen that in action. Uh, these big noses 
are good for smelling also. Uh, a, a an elephant's sense of smell is approximately four times stronger than a bloodhound's. And they can also Whoa. kind of like fucking, they can kind of periscope it, right? So they can like get all these tight angles. Why aren't there crime elephants Why that are out there, there <laughs> helping us solve crimes? I know. Balloon boy goes missing. Here's his sock. Elephant points the trunk up. He's like, there he goes. <laughs> Do you think I'm the only one still making balloon boy references yes. in 2019? 100% yes. Okay. <laughs> Um, also, I mean, there's social functionality, right? You use it for, uh, you know, the equivalent of like an elephant handshake or hold on to the, the, you know, the tail of a little elephant so they don't run off. Um, so it's, it's come to my attention that elephants are actually very cute and very, very good. Uh, it it took me a while to get there because they're just so big, but man, those wrinkles and that big dopey face, you gotta love those elephants painting. Uh, the elephants paint. Oh yeah, that's very good they too. They have a little brush in their trunk, and that's what makes the like immeasurable, unthinkable m- mistreatment uh, of elephants at the hands of humanity this is what makes it just so horrific oh, and know. unpalatable. Um, because elephants are big and brassy and beautiful, they deserve you know protection from poaching and the destruction of their habitats. Every elephant does, uh, every animal does rather. Um, but like elephants are just kind of front of mind for me this week because of their size. And how good their how good their trunks are. Let them let them roam free. Let them you know let them do their thing. And also, how when we watch Mickey Mouse Club, there's always an elephant. There's always an elephant in the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. He has these things called the mouse tools that he uses to solve problems. And one of them's always an elephant. And usually, it's like <laughs> I need to get a glass of water, and the elephant will just like blast water into the cup. And it's like use a fucking faucet and let that <laughs> elephant outside to go play with its family. Jesus, Mickey, mm. what's your first thing? My first thing is chopsticks. Oh, wow. I prefer a chopstick to a fork. I think I've just decided. I think I am just firmly in favor of chopsticks. I want to hear the reason why, because I am too, but I think there's not a, not a, obviously like it's culturally appropriate, but it's it's the shoveling of the fork. Oh, yeah. Right? It's the experience of even, so even if I have uh, leftovers, for example, um, of, you know, Chinese food, for example. I will still go find some chopsticks to eat those leftovers, even though the moment of initial eating has passed, because when you're shoveling food, I feel like you're not really appreciating it. But when I use a chopstick, I get like exactly the amount of food I want and I place it into my mouth and I chew it and it feels like I am really savoring and enjoying the experience. I like that. There's a mindfulness to it that I appreciate. It's why I like eating crab legs so much is because there's all of this ritual to it and it (laughs) Uh takes a while. And then when you finally get that sweet meat, it's like, I fucking worked for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like it's I'm it, it, mindfulness is a good is a good example because I feel like I'm not zoning out when I'm using chopsticks. You know, I'm focusing. You got to. Mm-hmm. You got to. There's a lot of manual dexterity involved. Uh, so it's not going to surprise you that chopsticks have been around a long time. Yeah, I just I could have probably seen mm-hmm. that one coming. Uh, do the, they predate? Do they predate forks? I guess it's hard to say. They do, but not not by as much as you think. It's oh, not okay. like. Yeah, because I I was all excited, like, oh, yeah, thousands of years before the fork. No, it's not <laughs> No, that. I imagine somebody saw somebody using something to eat food with, except for the, that wasn't their hands. And they're like, there's got to be other, there's got to be lots of different <laughs> sort of non-hand eating uh, technology we could figure out. Uh, the earliest evidence that humanity has found of chopsticks uh, were chopsticks made of bronze that were 10 inches long and dated to 1200 BCE. It's always bronze. It's yeah. always bronze. I know. What is what we use now? And that was certainly more plentiful back well, then. Well, bronze holds up. I'm sure there were chopsticks that were, you know, 
not made of bronze, but we lost those. That's a good point. We probably, termites (laughs) would eat those right up, huh? Uh, Frickin' termites. How much history, more history would we know about if it weren't for frickin' termites? Probably. A lot more of it. (laughs) Sounds like you've got a primetime children's show on your hands right there. It's me and Carmen Sandiego going back in time to stop termites from eating the crucifix. <laughs> what a quantum leap episode that would be, by the way. Well, yeah, it would be a little bit outside of his timeline. He but... leaps into a termite. Oh. Has to take out all of his brothers. Ants too. <laughs> Termites. <laughs> uh, so I didn't realize the English word chopstick may have derived from Chinese pidgin English uh, when they first started trading uh, with the English in the 17th century which could mean chop, chop, or quickly. Hmm. Another possibility is that the term is derived from chow, chow, which is also a pigeon word stemming from Southeast Asia, meaning food. And this chopsticks would simply mean food sticks. Are pigeon words like the words that they use to like talk, even though they didn't share the same language? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, when they started uh, trading between the English and Chinese in the 17th century. Oh, okay. That was where... uh, Pigeon English came from. So do you want to know some chopstick etiquette? Uh, Yeah. This kind of stuff like cripples me when I'm like, when we travel and I'm trying to figure out where to put my chopsticks. I feel like I purposefully learned some of this when we went to Mm -hmm. uh, Japan and some of it I remembered and some of it, like I know you're not supposed to rub them together. That's like bad. Well, and there's different chopstick etiquette depending on which country you're in. Almost certainly. Yeah, for sure. So uh, this is what I found online. In China, it is poor etiquette to point rested chopsticks towards others seated at the table. Hmm. Chopsticks should not be vertically stuck into a bowl of rice because it resembles the ritual of incense burning that symbolizes feeding the dead and death in general. That's also true in South Korea and Japan. But also, just don't do that with fucking forks. Like, that's a wild, of course. Like, if you're, <laughs> no, if you're eating a steak, you don't fucking stab your fork into the steak and leave it there like a, like a you know, radio antenna or something. Here's two other things that I've, I found interesting. So in Japan, uh, if you are eating out, you are supposed to put disposable chopsticks back in the wrapper at the end of the meal. Uh, okay. Yeah. Isn't that kind of clever? Well, you don't want somebody to fucking touch your mouth yeah, So the person doesn't grime. have to handle it. That's a very polite thing to do. Also, if there's no serving utensils, uh, reversing the ends of the individual's chopsticks to the clean ends can be used. Huh. Interesting. I never would have thought of that. We definitely fucked that up a couple times when we went to, um, when we were in Japan, we went to a couple of, uh, like barbecue places and they have, you know, heavy metal chopsticks to put the, to touch the meat and put it on yeah. the thing. But then, you know, you have your own wood chopsticks for mm-hmm. eating and we would definitely cross contaminate and be bad, uh, human beings in that situation. I also like, um, and this is not something I've done, but I like watching videos of people cooking with chopsticks. Yes. It makes so much sense to me to have that precision instead of trying to like scoop with like a big old serving spoon i bought some and then the first time i used them they broke because they were cheap and shitty and like (laughs) i was trying to like stir like a big thing of like heavy noodles and they just snap snap uh so uh, i was put off from the idea of doing it um yeah i think i think yeah i like the precision of it i like the experience of really kind of thoughtfully selecting my food uh, and, and I really would like to use them for almost everything. I mean, also like, uh, I feel like 
eating a rice-based meal or a noodle-based meal is actually like now that I've gotten like good with using chopsticks mm-hmm. like I feel like it is just the tool that makes more sense to use it right because mm-hmm. with fork you have to with fork you either got to do like the spinny spin and get like a big bundle of it and then shovel that in your gob yeah. and then like with with a fork and rice you always like carefully balance it on the fork as you work your way that's up to your no mouth. good that's mm-hmm. no good Chopsticks are good. Mm-hmm. I got Rachel a bunch of chopsticks from a woodworking place in uh, in New Orleans that uh, I we they're just beautiful. Have, they're beautiful, and we have so many of them now. It's very exciting because we would have to like constantly wash ours every time we wanted to eat. I mean, we still wash them, but now we have like <laughs> backup. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We're not that dirty, Mm-mm. or are we? Meow. Can I steal you away? <laughs> Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? (laughs) It's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. (laughs) Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, There's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? (laughs) Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghostwriter, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell uh, your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain Okay, this first message is for Jake. It is from Jeanette and Andy. Jake, happy approximately birthday. You are a fantastic DM and you make us the coolest props. We can't wait to start the next adventure that you bring for the now misnamed Mouse Guard. Between introducing us to the McElroys and your mad DM skills, you've played a big part in keeping us sane through the first year of new parenthood. We love you. 
I wish I had made props for the boys for Taz. And so they stopped spending hundreds of dollars on getting their own. <laughs> <laughs> they really are. They're bankrupting us. It's a really serious problem. <laughs> I know I'm smiling when I say that, but it's through the tears. <laughs> you want to hear the next message? Yes, please. It is for future Daria from past Daria. I love these, by the way. I know, I do These are too. My, among my favorite. Hey, future Daria, it's you, past Daria. I know that those future months are kind of mysterious, so here's hoping you're doing something wonderful. You're amazing, and keep on chasing the dream. I love you. This is so good. I love this. Yeah, you don't need somebody else to buy a Jumbotron for you. You can mm-hmm. buy your own. And if you invest in a dream catcher, it's kind of like a trap for your dream, so it's, it makes it easier to chase it down. Ooh. That's a... Uh, that's probably not. Is how that your it Shark works. Tank pitch? That's, yes, it's my, it's my very uh, appropriative uh, Shark Tank pitch. Hi, I'm Paula Poundstone, and I'm Adam Felber. Adam, I haven't gotten one thing done today. Well, let me see your to-do list. Ah, yeah. Well, here, make thirty-second promo for nobody listens to Paula Poundstone. So at least you're getting that done. Score. Except you haven't said what the show is about. We're like a comedy field guide to life, starring me and you. I give useful advice, and we have real experts to talk about things like how to keep a friend or what to do when you encounter a bear. Bully for you, but you haven't said where people can find the show. Oh, MaximumFun.org or wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, Can I tell you about my second thing? Yes. My second thing is weddings. Wow. Weddings are so tight. Weddings are so good. Going to a wedding is very, very good. I want to focus on going to a wedding. Throwing a wedding was super good, too. Because, uh, you know, we got to throw this big righteous party. Uh, but this is everything. This week I want to talk about going to weddings. I have heard people say that they love weddings. And I get it. I don't know why I never really think about it as a thing I like to do. Like, I always enjoy it when I go. Yeah. But I never think, like, you know what? I wish I could go to a wedding. Well, in your defense, we have not been to one in a while. I feel yes. like we, I feel like, and, and this is not uncommon, like we had a season for a few years there, we're just like most of our friends were, were getting married. Uh, and that season has more or less passed at this point. And so we have not been to one in a while. But still, uh, I would always I would always enjoy going to a wedding. I didn't always enjoy like traveling with a newborn baby when we had to go to a wedding. Like that part was got less than ideal. But going to the wedding itself uh, was pretty good. Uh, even, even when we were, when we were going to them all the time, like, I feel like I wasn't getting burnt out because weddings are so fun. Uh, it's basically, if you think about it, like just a big party that your friends threw, like I always get excited for, for those. So why wouldn't that be true, uh, for, for wedding? You get to see what your friends think makes for a good time. And if their idea matches yours or it doesn't, it's still fun. Because it's a wedding. There's free food. There's usually free drinks. I like what I'm hearing so far. Can I ask you a question? Did you ever go to weddings as a kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I didn't really go to that. I think I remember maybe one as a kid. I imagine as a kid, it's like maybe not as fun. Probably not as fun, yes. I went to a couple of them. And I mean, the big thing is if you're a kid and you're going to like a family wedding of like an older family member or something like that, you're not going to know most of the people there. I feel like that was true for a lot of the weddings that I went to. Um, and uh, most of the entertainment is designed for adults. There's usually not a, you know, a a play place. Were you ever a little ring bearer? Was I ever a little ring bearer? No, I don't think so. I don't think I could be trusted with that, um, (laughs) with that level of, uh, yeah, I could, I could keep a gigapet alive for a little bit, but I couldn't, uh, I couldn't hold this, this relic of matrimony, uh, for 10 minutes without losing it. Um, there's a quiet, 
there's a quiet kind of competition that happens also when your friends are all getting married around the same period of time and nobody would admit to it but you feel like you as an attendee are part of like an unfilmed reality show that is happening all around mm-hmm. you all the time like there's an invisible David Tatera just like watching from the wings <laughs> like mm, this is be- better than uh, you know Melissa's uh, wedding don't you think uh, ooh the canapes are so much better than Brian's wedding don't you think yeah mm. I mean it's true if you are in a relationship and you are planning a wedding every wedding you go to from there on out you are watching and you are silently taking notes but not in a shitty way right no. like I was no, I, I had fun at every wedding I ever went to for, for our friends mm. except for the one where I was horrifically horrifically sick and even that one I had a good time at um, but you are sort of mentally taking notes on like how it compares to the other weddings that you've gone to mm-hmm. um, and that can be fun like who had the best venue who had the best ceremony who had the best DJ who had the best speeches who had the best food and drinks let's go to the judges and find out Mm-hmm. And then there's David Tatera. Oh, uh, that show Four Weddings. You remember that show? Oh, that show is so. Uh, Where people would judge each other's weddings like incredibly harshly so in nasty. the hopes that they would win. We watched a lot of <laughs> wedding television programming. Funnily enough, like that is the one genre that I feel like is designed for you to watch for like a year and then never fucking watch it ever. I have no interest <laughs> in watching other people planning their weddings ever, ever, ever again. Um, sometimes they have you do like an organized choreographed dance and that's the toll that you pay for going to the <laughs> wedding and that's fun that's fine um there's there's certain things that weddings bring to the table that like i only kind of got to experience going to weddings like da- i don't go to dancing events anymore mm-hmm. but dancing with you at weddings is very good i know i was just thinking about that the other day i was thinking about how i can't remember the last time you and i danced together yeah. oh you know what it may have been was uh, Max FunCon. Maybe Max FunCon. And we have not been when to Max FunCon in a bit when you were pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you got the romance in the air during the dance part, you know, and that can be just nice. Just like siphoning off some of the latent love energies that are just kind of floating <laughs> around in the air. Um, and like also if you're getting, if you're, if you're close to the people who are getting married, it's nice to see this little like encapsulation of all the different people that they've Mm -hmm. meant something to along the like time that they've been with us. Yeah. Those like elementary school friends that you've never met before. And distant family members. And, Mm -hmm. and then hearing all of those people talk about how great your friends are from a perspective that you've never had is like so, so wonderful. Um, and if the ceremony's like you know poignant enough you might get a good cry going and that's always good (laughs) oh man that's good stuff um and sometimes like one of your friends will go like way outside the box we have described i feel like this whole segment like the pretty traditional wedding you know ceremony than uh reception structure like obviously it doesn't have to be like that anytime anytime that you just get a bunch of people together to celebrate two people and their love and then you know the whole event is designed to have fun around that love like that's good stuff it doesn't matter what shape you do it in but when your friends do like a really outside the box idea for their wedding and it pays off like that's fucking super exciting. Yeah. That's always really exciting because you know that they took a gamble for this thing and it's great. Uh, and you just get to see all of this like important stuff in your life through this new lens for one night only um like i feel like we have made memories with our friends at weddings that like no other sort of events that we have done with them have ever really been able to capture and that might just be because we had one wedding where everybody was the drunkest i've ever seen them before (laughs) um and also you get dressed up happy grandparents oh forget about it (laughs) dressed up happy grandparents is the best shit seeing my nani at our wedding that was the 
best. That's good stuff. Yeah. Anytime you see a dressed up happy grandparent, I'm 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 here for it. Um, yeah, I just like it. I like everything that it kind of like stands for: celebrating people mm-hmm. you love and their love, and then like literally celebrating with yeah with whatever you want to celebrate with. It is it is. Uh, I also good. like I also like being in a wedding. I like I I feel like I'm kind of like. I'm part of the like the crew, yeah. you know. Yeah, like I know the behind the scenes, which mm-hmm. is fun. Yeah, um, and you get all those nice pictures. The pictures are good, also. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you get to do the you get party favors, like mm-hmm. some Jordan almonds. When the fuck else are you gonna eat Jordan <laughs> almonds? This is my only Jordan almond hookup. That's true. I wouldn't even know where to buy them. I don't know not, where you get if not, if, like a wedding supply store. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, hey, what's your second thing? My second thing is a return to the poetry corner. Let's strap on in and put on our hats. The hat is a beret, and what's inside? It's a poem. In case you forget, the poem is written inside the hat. Don't let the teacher see. It's time <laughs> for the poetry corner. That might be my favorite one yet. Yeah, because it encouraged you to cheat in poetry class. Well, it's like a, it's adventurous. It feels like I'm about to watch a detective thriller about oh. poetry. Only he takes his uh, you know fedora off, and what's inside there? It's the poem in case he forgets it. Mm-hmm. Who are we dealing with this time? We are going to go like classic founding fathers uh, of Rachel's interest in poetry. Okay. William Carlos Williams. Oh yeah, I'm talking about Billy Will. Billy Will, yeah. What's he? Uh, what's he bring? You to the heard table? of uh, some plums? Oh, those freaking plums, though. Yeah, of course. You heard of a wheelbarrow? I don't think I've heard about the wheelbarrow. All right, I'll do the wheelbarrow for I'm, you. I'm uncultured. Oh, you're gonna? Okay, so Rachel. Okay, she's kicked her feet up. And she wants me <laughs> to hold the feet. And she's running around and oh, she's. She's jumping up with her arms and clapping in midair. This is incredible. And she's still got her microphone. She's laughing into it. Okay, so everyone is more familiar with William Carlos Williams lately because there's that meme, the plums meme. I eat your plums. I eat your Mm -hmm. plums. I'm so sorry. They were really good, though. Well, but you see people like recrafting it for like their own purposes yeah and they, but they'll do a meme in it so be like i did your Fortnite dance and yeah, this so, is just to say i did your your Fortnite dance yeah and so like it was so great it was so delicious and so hot yeah let me give you some source material for that one okay this is just to say written in 1934 i have eaten the plums that were in the icebox and which you were probably saving for breakfast forgive me they were delicious so sweet and so cold isn't that nice? It's really nice. Is it supposed to be like deeply sexual? <laughs> no, I don't think no. so. No, okay, yeah. I, didn't I mean, want maybe, it. sure. No, maybe not. <laughs> you know, I could, eat a, I could eat a plum for hours. I could eat a plum for hours. Be real. Real messy. <laughs> <laughs> That's the idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so William Carlos Williams grew up in Rutherford, New Jersey, uh, and he was a doctor for more than 40 years. The, uh, the poem, the, um, the Red Wheelbarrow, the one I'm going to read next, he wrote when he was 60 years old. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, he wrote his poems. This is what I remember about him. And I couldn't find this, but I had an instructor tell me this, that he used to write his little poems on little prescription pads in between clients. I like that. So he'd be like, here's 10 cc's of I ate your plums. Deal with it. <laughs> um he i thought this was a really good description for him so 
he wrote these poems that um, feel very simplistic, but very like uh, visceral. Yeah, there's you know? the imagery is very powerful. Randall Jarrell, who was also a poet, said that uh, his poems were often domestic in focus and, quote, remarkable for their empathy, sympathy, muscular and emotional identification with its subject. There is no optimistic blindness, though there is a fresh gaiety, a stubborn or invincible joyousness, which I love. I love thinking about that. It's not like he's like all like raindrops and, and whiskers on kittens. But right. He's like, he's very like tuned in to what is interesting about something uh, and joyous about it. Uh, so let me hear this, lay this wheelbarrow on Okay, me. so the red wheelbarrow. So much depends upon a red wheelbarrow glazed with rain water besides the white chickens. I have heard that before. Yeah. That's nice. It's like, it's the kind of thing where people would be like, oh, I don't know. Maybe your brothers would say, oh, everything's a poem. But I would say. (laughs) That doesn't sound like my brothers. They're way more respectful of the arts than that. Except for your segment, I'm a Bim Bam, that is always like, is this a poem? No, I was goofing. Of course, they're they're fucking goblins. Um, but to just like, it it creates such a picture, you Mm. know, and it makes it so accessible. I think for me, that was one of the exciting things. Like when I was in high school and thinking like, I'm going to write poems. Right. People like William Carlos Williams made it seem like, yeah, go for it. Like if you are able to capture something in a way that feels very precise and beautiful, you can do it too. Sure. You don't have to like know all, all the you know, forefathers of poetry to do it. You just have to describe something in a new and, and cool exactly. way. Uh, so he was part of what was called the uh, Imagist movement, uh, which was a reaction against the Romantic or Victorian poetry. Uh, Imagists emphasized simplicity, clarity of expression, and precision through the use of exacting visual images. Uh, the forefather of this movement was Ezra Pound, okay, uh, who actually went to college with William Carlos Williams. William Carlos Williams was there for medical school. Ezra Pound was pursuing a more like uh, liberal, liberal arts, arts yeah. background, but they were buds. Uh, Ezra Pound's poem in 1913. So this is like 10, 20 years before William Carlos Williams is publishing. He wrote a poem called uh, In a Station of the Metro. The apparition of these faces in a crowd petals on a wet black bow. That's a tongue twister, huh? Uh Uh-huh. He'll tie you up. But you can see how that inspired William Carlos Williams. Yeah, sure. I mean, the Imagist movement that I just learned about 45 seconds ago is very aptly (laughs) named. And this was rooted in ideas developed by a philosopher and poet, T.E. Hume, who in as early as 1908, spoke of poetry based on an absolutely accurate presentation of its subject with no excess verbiage. I think when I first started writing poetry, I was very tapped into this. Mm. Like the more time I spent in academia, like in graduate school, like I started to get like a lot more complex, which William Carlos Williams did too. Um, His whole series of poems uh, through spring and all um, there's a lot of lengthier, more complicated poetry, but like the stuff that really drew me in was those really like little snapshot poems. I can see. I mean, that sounds appealing to me too. Mm-hmm. I can see why it would be appealing to somebody who's like, uh, you know, learning about writing poetry. Yeah. Cause it's, it's shorter. I mean, you can get in there and do it and then go smoke weed and play Star Fox 64 <laughs> or whatever. 
<laughs> or you can fit it on the inside of a hat. Or, yeah, of course. Uh, so William Carlos Williams kind of experienced a resurgence. Uh, he died in 1963, and right around then was when beat poetry was becoming a big thing. So a lot of the beat poets were really inspired by William Carlos Williams uh, because of that really like precise, like emotional focus. Yeah. So that's my, that's my guy. That's a good one. Has anybody ever written a sequel to the plum, the plum poem, the plum, the plum poem? I think that's what everybody's trying to do with their meme. Well, no, but I mean, from the perspective of the person oh, who bought the plums. I came home. I came The home. plums were gone. Yeah. Or just like, I, I saw your poem and thank you for your <laughs> honesty, but like the grocery store is around the corner and I expect you to put two new delicious, I know they were delicious and cold because they were delicious when I bought them and then I put them in the box that makes things cold. So just go to the grocery store and get me two new plums, I guess, whenever it's convenient <laughs> for you, but ideally soon because I would like to enjoy some plums. And and make them cold again because that was the thing I was looking forward to. Right. Even when you bring them home, I'm not going to be able to enjoy them straight away. Mm-hmm. They're going to need to sit in the ice box for a couple hours. Mm-hmm. Hello? Why would they call you to put you on hold? Why would somebody call me to put me on hold? This is my new small wonder, is this tune. If I were you, I would just hang up, I think. No, somebody decided that I needed to hear this song. (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) Are you hearing this pre-chorus? It's very lovely. Yeah. What a t- what a treat. I wish most phone calls were like this. <laughs> let's let's do our wrap up as we listen to this great tune. Do you think the end of the music will just be like bye Geico? <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. We got a uh, I'm mean, hang on now. We got a uh, we got some submissions from our friends at home. Do you want to hear them? Yes, please. Uh, we have one here from Coral who says, "I'm drinking cold blueberry milk out of a glass bottle, and it's the most wonderful thing. Yum!" Whoa, blueberry milk! I've never heard of this, and also I didn't know what your second thing was going to be when I picked this for our submissions. And it sounds very much <laughs> like very another. Nice. I've heard of strawberry milk though, so blueberry milk seems yeah, it's, ex- it's exciting. I, I enjoy both those things. Here's one from Bird who says, "My own personal wonder is a nice, warm, steamed bun. Biting into a steamed bun with its yeasty bread and the even warmer, gooey center with some nice, savory pork or whatever other filling is the absolute slap. It's oh, one of the world's most perfect snacks and always puts a huge smile on my face. Oh, I'm so hungry." Oh, right. did you not lunch I before? Eaten lunch oh, that's yet. too bad. Yeah. Oh, but man, that sounds good. Steam buns are so They're freaking so good. good. They're everywhere in like Tokyo. Every Seven Eleven you walk by, you're like, let me just dip in there. Mm-hmm. Let me just hit up this loss and grab and a couple steamies. We had those steamies. incredible steam buns in. Hong Kong. We did. We did. Man, steam buns are very good. Mm. Jess says, one very wonderful thing is when a character in a movie says the movie title. My husband and I always (laughs) clap when we hear it uh, when we're watching movies alone. And also one time when we saw Aquaman at one of those theaters where they serve you booze. I kind of love that. I did too. I would. They uh, just also sent along a uh, compilation video that is just four minutes of exactly this, and it's a uh, sort of wild how it's in every movie. I would love to watch that video. Uh, yeah, uh, I forget what it's called. Google it, folks. You'll okay. you'll get there. Uh, hey, thanks for listening to uh, to our show. We we really do appreciate it. 
Uh, we're getting, we're pretty far ahead of the curve on this one, this one episode. We're like, it's not going to come out for like two weeks or something like yeah. that. Um, we're going to like a couple weeks from now, we're going to have people tweeting at us about wheelbarrows and we'll be like, why? 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 What's going why? on? <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you all so much. Uh, thank you to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. Thank you to Maximum Fun. Hey, next week, the Maximum Fun Drive is going to kick off. Yeah. Uh, and hey, um, you may have heard rumors of this, but uh, donors... Get access to some exclusive content. Yes, we recorded a sort of celebration of Will Smith's career um, that you can listen to. And uh, one of the donation levels, uh, also a reward that you can get is a a drive exclusive enamel pin from uh, Mm -hmm. Megan Lincott. Ours is a little hot dog and it says small wonders on it. See, we talk about hot dogs a lot. We do. Max Fun, the folks at Max Fun reached out and said, What should your pin be? Do you have any ideas? And I literally just responded, We talk about hot dogs a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and so they here we are. It. Uh, so, yeah, that's next week. It really helps us out. Uh, you can support the other shows on the network. Um, if the work we do, you know, is, is meaningful to you in any way, this is a this is like the time of year to uh, to pay it forward uh, or backward. Pay it. Just pay it, I guess. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So thank you all so much in advance. Uh, I also wanted to mention for those of you um, that may not be familiar with the bonus content of me, Teresa and Sydney, we have recorded a second episode together, just the three of us. uh, And I think it would be exciting for you to listen to it. And enjoy it. I have not listened to it. I am excited to, to mm-hmm. tune into that one. That is the Mabim Bam bonus episode. But you get all of them when you donate, uh, even at the, like the lowest level at $5 a month. Um, so yeah, that is going to be next week. And is that it? I think that's it. I think that's it. Well, round round of, round of applause. They did it again. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Welcome back and thank you, Dan, for that scathing report. As you know, Max Fun Drive is coming up March 18th to March 29th, which has some folks pretty excited. But as families around the world get ready to celebrate this season of giving, community, and quality podcasts, some are wondering if it's just too much. Are they, though? They are. Some people are all for comedy and culture, but with 45 shows offering hundreds of hours of bonus content, plus all the Max Fun meetups taking place around the world, some people think 
It's too much. While other people think it sounds totally awesome. I took my granddaughter to the mall to get her picture taken, and the mall pod fairy was short. And I, you know, I'm just gonna say it. I'm sorry, but everyone knows the pod fairy is tall. Well, I think we should just leave it there. <laughs> Until next time, here's the news you need to know. Max Fun Drive runs from March 18th through 29th. Be sure to listen to all of your favorite podcasts. I know I will.